Hi, saints. Welcome to another episode of Talking Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D, here to help you grow in faith and walk in God's amazing grace. We have reached the final episode of a five-part series entitled A New Covenant with Better Promises. I hope you are not only enjoying this series, but learning the truth from it. I know I have stepped on some of your denominational toes, but Jesus said it is knowing the truth that sets man free. In this case, free from denominational strongholds that God Almighty never gave to his children. Now, the final episode is entitled A New Creation. I saved the best for last, saints. This message is going to be on fire. Now, let us get to it. All right, saints, we have reached a final, the final episode of A New Covenant with Better Promises entitled A New Creation. And I want to thank those of you who are hanging in here because the previous four messages have been viewed by at least 735 people to God be all the glory. So uh, we're going to continue today talking about a new creation. Now, God uses the same physical configuration of words as we do, but the meaning behind the words is spiritual. If you do not understand the spirit behind the words, then you will misinterpret and misunderstand what God is talking about. The words of God are only addressed to people who have new spirits, new spirits from God that are calibrated to receive from the same wavelength that God is using to transmit his messages. Now, for example, there is no point in someone getting upset with the television set and beating on it with a hammer or a chair because he wants to see what is playing on channel four when he is tuned into channel 56. Channel four is on VHF and he is on UHF. You have to be on VHF to pick up VHF and you have to be on UHF to pick up UHF saints. <laughs> you have to have a radio receiver that is calibrated to, to, to FM to pick up FM transmissions and AM to pick up an AM transmission. Now, God has uh, a transmission saints, but if you are not on the same wavelength as he is, even though he is beaming his signal out all the time, you are not going to pick it up. The only way you can pick up God's transmission is when you have your receiver fixed and tuned into him. You need a new receiver. You have to be born again, saints, and that gives you a new receiver. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians 2.14. Now, the Apostle Paul says, but the natural man receive it not. Let's stop right there. The natural man receive it not. What does that mean? What is a natural man? A natural man is a man who is not born again. A natural man is a man who has not accepted Christ as his personal savior. Now, as a result, all that he can understand are natural things. The spirit man, on the other hand, has been born again by the spirit of God, and he has the capacity to understand spiritual things. Now let's read, excuse me, 
first Corinthians in its entirety, uh, first Corinthians two fourteen. Okay. But the natural man receive it, not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now discerned means understood. The things of God are spiritually understood. If a man has not been born again, how can he understand the words of God? He can't. He is at a disadvantage. He can read the Bible all day long and he still will have no understanding of how to operate in the word of God. Now, the people who claim you will be born again when Jesus comes back are trying to put themselves under the old covenant. What they are really attempting to do without realizing it is to become righteous in the sight of God through their own merits by trying to keep the law. Now, when they come to the end of life, saints, they are going to say, hey, God, why are you not letting me in? After all, I went to church every Saturday. St. Peter opened the gate. You have to let me in. I kept the Ten Commandments. They have not accepted the fact that they, the only way one can be declared righteous in the sight of God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter which religion organization or which religious organizations you are affiliated with. You can't exclude Jesus. Now I'm going to read Galatians 2.16 and you just can't misunderstand this. Uh, I tell you, let me read it and then I, I will talk more about it after. Now, this is Galatians 2, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified, meaning declared righteous, by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified, meaning or declared righteous, by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, what does the word knowing imply? It means you are not hoping, uh, hoping for something and, and, and you are not thinking something. When someone says they know, that means that they, <laughs> what they know is a foregone conclusion, an established fact. However, when someone says, I think or I suppose then you know that that person is in doubt and whatever he or she is getting ready to say is not an established fact. Now, when Paul says knowing, he is implying that what he is getting ready to say is revealed truth. And those to whom he is writing ought to know this. Now, righteousness means right standing with God. Now, righteousness gives us the ability to enter into the presence of the almighty God and the creator and sustainer of the universe without any sense of feeling I don't belong here, without any sense of feeling I'm not worthy. Rather, he enters into God's presence in righteousness and right standing because God has granted him this privilege. Too many people do not understand this. And as a result, they are afraid of God. The Bible says in Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That fear is not the kind of fear Satan brings, which causes you to be fretful and fearful and full of anxiety. The word fear when used concerning God means respect and reverence. The reverence of God is the beginning of knowledge, meaning wisdom. 
Now, the Heavenly Father does not want you to be afraid of him any more than any loving parent wants his children to be scared of him. Now, fretfulness, anxiety, or fear comes from ignorance of God. Now, that is what opens the door for Satan to be able to bring the fear in in the first place, because there is a lack of knowledge about spiritual matters. It is the unfamiliarity of the unknown that brings fear, saints. The Bible tells us to come boldly unto the throne of grace. Now, thank God we can come into his presence without any sense of theory of inferiority and can experience firsthand the care of the heavenly father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, no one can be justified by obeying the law. Let me say that again. No one can be justified by obeying the law. It is absolutely astounding how anyone could read Galatians 2.16 and get hung up on trying to keep the law, trying to become justified or pleasing to God when it specifically states that no flesh shall be justified, meaning declared righteous by the works of the law. Unbelievable. It's just baffling to me. It is by the faith of Jesus Christ. Okay, saints, you cannot get away from Jesus. I don't care what religious organization you are affiliated with. I don't care if you are Muslim. I don't care if you are Buddhist or any other religion out there. Without Christ, you cannot be reconciled to God. You can't. And not because I say it. It's because the Bible says so. And it, it is because Jesus Christ himself said so. And it is because the prophets of old said so. I can't, you know what? This message that I am communicating is so important, especially this final message, a new creation. Oh, I cannot wait to get to certain parts of this message. So, so let me resume. I don't want to sidetrack now. Now you have to enter into the kingdom by God's way. Many people are trying to do it their own way. They are making their own rules and saying that God ought to be pleased with them. You know, after all, I went to church, you know, uh, once last year, you know, God ought to be happy with that. Now, to show you the inconsistency of man, some people will will, you know, balk uh, or balk uh, at giving God, you know, an offering, you know, and he says, you know, that should be enough. But here's the thing. God says, give and it shall be given unto you. So why would you not go uh, through God's plan of, of giving? So but yet the same people wouldn't dare walk out of a restaurant without leaving a 15 percent tip for the waiter or waitress because they do not want anyone to think that they are a cheapskate. OK. That's how people think saints people. They do not. They don't care what God says. They will obey man's rules and regulations. Um, you know, they, they, they are come out of the restaurant and, and they go into a restaurant with the thought that, um, the restaurant or waiter or waitress is supplying their lifeline. Uh-huh. That's how people look at the world. That's why they respect man more than they respect God. Now, the Bible says by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, in Romans seven, we see a beautiful revelation concerning this principle. 
Now, I'm going to read a lot of scripture, saints, because uh, it's a lot of scripture that uh, carnally minded people are reading and they can't get the spiritual insight of it. So I'm going to try to explain it and clarify it as, as I go through. But we're going to look at Romans chapter seven, verses one through four. Now, this is Paul talking. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. Now, let me stop here. It is obvious then that Paul is addressing himself to Jews. He would not be addressing himself to Gentiles because Gentiles as such did not know the law. Okay, now let me continue. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law had dominion over a man as long as he lived for the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto him. Now, as I was preparing for this study, I was directed to this particular message or uh, by the spirit of God. And I saw something that I had never seen before. When I previously read that, that passage of scripture, I also thought Paul was talking about husbands and wives, but Paul was not talking about husbands and wives. You know, he was using them as an illustration. He is talking about whether or not the church is under the Mosaic law. And he is simply using husbands and wives as a parable. Paul is talking to the Jews because the Jews were the only ones who were, who were ever under the law. He is showing the Jews that when Jesus died on the cross, every Jew died in Christ to the law. According to the Bible, the heavenly father identifies us with Christ. I died in Christ. I was buried with Christ. I rose with Christ. I ascended with Christ and I am seated together with Christ in heavenly places. What Paul is saying to the Jew is that when Jesus rose from the dead, the law was fulfilled and set aside. Okay, saints, are you following me? Now, when Jesus walked the earth and taught among the Jews, they accused him of breaking the law. He told them he had come to fulfill the law and the prophets. This means, this means then that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Everything in the law pointed to Jesus. He is the fulfillment of the law, which includes the law of the Sabbath, the Ten Commandments, and the law of Moses. When something is fulfilled, guess what? It means it is over, finished, and done with. When Jesus rose from the dead, the law was fulfilled and set aside. Now the Jew can marry Jesus and not be considered to be an adulteress. Okay. Remember Paul uh, said that the law was effective as long as the woman's husband was alive. And if she were to marry another man while her husband was alive, she should be, she or she would be considered an adulteress. However, 
If her husband died, she was free from that law and she could marry again and would not be considered an adulteress. Now, here is the thing. If a man were keeping the law and still trying to be married to Jesus, he was an adulterer. He could not be married to Christ and keep the law. He would have two wives and the Bible calls that adultery. Uh, now, to simplify this, saints, you can't follow Jesus and, and keep the law. You can't do it. It's not a match. Now, in Galatians 4, it is interesting to note that Paul says the very same thing, but he is saying it in a different way. When you read the letter to the Galatians, the word Galatians is pluralized. This letter was written to a certain geographical area dur during the time in which Paul lived. In that particular area, there were many churches, and this letter was sent out and circulated among these churches. There had been several churches which had been telling the Gentiles that they had to keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. And just like um, what's occurring today, there are several churches telling people that. And this is why um, following ministries like mine that is going to share with you the truth is so important. Now, Paul wrote the letter to the churches of Galatia in order to correct this fallacy. OK, this was a lie. So this is why Paul wrote these letters, because people were being held in bondage, just like churches today have people in bondage by trying to have them follow the law and the Ten Commandments, while at the same time trying to walk with Jesus. You cannot do both, saints. It is spiritual adultery. And you grieve the Spirit of God when you try to combine both these entities. It won't compute. And it's clear in scripture. I just read it to you and I have much more to read to you and share with you. Now, we are going to look at uh, Galatians chapter four, verses 19 through 31. So I'm going to be doing a lot of reading, also a lot of explaining. I'm going to give you explanations of the scriptures that we are reading. OK, now let's start with verse 19 of Galatians four. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons. Now, let us stop right here before I proceed. In order to get the picture of what is being said here, we need to do a little interpreting and, and to substitute some things so that we will be able to follow along to see the point Paul is trying to make. Paul says that Abraham had two sons. Think of the two sons as one of them being the law of Moses, which is the old covenant, and the other son as being the new creation, the new covenant. Now let's continue. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise, which things are an allegory. An allegory is a picture or a story. For these are the two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai, which gender it to bondage, which is Agar or actually Hagar, Hagar in the uh, New King James. 
Abraham was well stricken in years and, and, and so was his wife, Sarah, and they had no children like any good red blooded man. You know, Abraham wanted to have a son to carry, you know, carry on his, uh, posterity. God came to Abraham and made a promise to him that he would have a son after a certain period of time. However, Abraham and Sarah became impatient. God was too slow for them. So they tried to help him out. You know, they, they, they think they can help God out like some of us do. So Sarah had her maid Hagar conceived for her by Abraham. This was an acceptable, you know, practice during that time, saints, you know, so don't panic. <laughs> the child to be born would be considered Sarah's, you know, that was strictly after the flesh. Abraham and Sarah allowed their flesh to get in the way, but praise be to God. It did not stop God's promise to them from being fulfilled. Now, this is what, uh, uh, is being talked about in verse 24, which says, which things are an allegory for these are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gender it to bondage, which is Agar. Now that is exactly what the law did. It put people in bondage and that is exactly what it is doing today. Now for let's continue for this Agar is Mount Sinai and Arabia and answer it to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. Now, Paul is talking about two covenants here, Isaac and Ishmael or Sarah and Hagar. Hagar represents the old covenant, which has to do with the flesh. The boy child Ishmael came as the result of the action of the flesh, not by the promise of God, Isaac, on the other hand, was the product of the promise that God made representing the new covenant. Now drop down to verse 28 and it says, now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Now notice how Paul relates it to Isaac, the child of promise. Okay. He says that we who are in Christ are are the heirs of the new covenant by promise. But look, look here, it says, but as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so is it now. <laughs> Paul got it back then and, and we got it today. Now, these folks who, who try to keep the law will persecute those of us who don't. They will call you everything but a child of God. But in fact, they are the ones that are not the child of God because they're not born again. You know, they will try to put the screws to you, you know, tighten down on you and, and tell you that you are not a Christian. If you if you do not go to church on a Saturday or if you do not keep the Ten Commandments. But what they are telling you is contrary to what is written. We just read it. What they are telling you is contrary to what is written because they don't understand the Bible because they are not born again. Now, let's uh, keep reading. Nevertheless, what said the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, which is Hagar and Ishmael. Okay. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman, which is Sarah and Isaac. Okay. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free woman. 
Now, that's Galatians, Galatians uh, chapter 4, verses 19 through 31. Write down these scriptures, saints, so you can study them and allow the Holy Spirit to give you the insight. Now, I just read it to you and I just explained it to you. Okay, I, I, I actually simplified it. So um, Paul said this was an allegory or a parable or a story. He used Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, along with Ishmael and Isaac, to compare the old covenant with the new one. Now, if the bondwoman and her son represent the old covenant, the law of Moses, and all that went with the law, if we are to be true to the allegory, when it says, cast out the bondwoman and her son, so that the son of the promise, meaning Isaac, the new covenant, can operate, then that means that we... As 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 new covenant believers are to cast out the law and cast out the Ten Commandments because they represent Hagar, which is the flesh and the promise was not made to the flesh. So get rid of it. It shouldn't be a problem. It shouldn't be a struggle. So get rid of it because you have God Almighty supporting you. Now, can you see what I'm talking about? That means we are not under the law. There is no way in the world God could want us under the law because we are the seed of Isaac by promise. Okay. Now, some people will get a little upset about this because they think that what I am saying is that Christians have no law. You know, we do have a law. We do have a commandment. Now, we are not lawless saints. We have a law. We have a covenant and we have a commandment in that covenant, which Jesus gave us. Now, as I covered in previous sections of our messages, uh, the previous episodes, our law, commandment, and covenant are found in the 13th chapter of John, verses 34 and 35, and they are clear. It is the commandment, law, and covenant of love. And we can't get around that either for those of you who are fighting love. You're not born again yet, so go hang out with your father, Satan. Until you're ready and just hope you don't lose your life before you're ready to be born again. Okay. Now let us review some more scripture uh, concerning the law being done away with. Now let's look at Galatians 3 and 21. In the law then against the promises. Well, I'm sorry. Let me say that again. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. Now, in other words, no, it is not. The law was there to fulfill the promises of God and the end of the law is the fulfillment of the promise of God. See, the promise of God was to end the law. Okay. Did you catch it? The promises of God was to end the law. Now let's continue. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life. Uh oh, did you catch that? That ought to tell us something. The law must have to do with death and not life, because if the law had to do only with life, Paul wouldn't wouldn't then say, for if there had been a law given, which could have given life, the opposite of life is death, saints. Now, Jesus said that he came to bring us life more abundantly. He did not come to bring death. But he came to bring life. Now, let's look at the rest of this passage from Galatians. OK, let's look at um, Galatians uh, 322. 
Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid, for if there had been a law given which could have been, which could have given life, very, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But that, that let's, let, let, let me explain this, saints. But since there wasn't any law that could give life, then that means righteousness cannot come by the law. Okay, now let's resume. But the scripture had concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Not to them that follow the law, but to them that believe, saints. This is talking about those of us who have accepted Christ as our personal savior. That is the reason why Jesus is so important. My God. Some folks get all upset when you talk about Jesus. You know, many of them think, well, you know, I'm just as good as those Christians. And guess what? You are absolutely wrong. <laughs> you know, they got some that tell me all the time, you know, I don't have to go to church. I'm just as educated and just as intelligent as, as anyone else. And I don't need any church telling me what to do. And you are correct. You don't need any church telling you what to do, you know. Uh, and, and people tell me all the time, you know, I'm more, I'm a morally good person. You know, I don't rob banks. I don't commit murder. I don't go around sleeping with everyone. I, I don't commit adultery and I don't commit fornication. Now these people are on their way to hell. Okay. I just can't put it more clear than that. It's just, it's just Bible truth because it's not what you do or don't do as I covered in previous, in, in some of these previous series and episodes that you are saved by grace. You are not saved by your works and you are not saved by what sin you did not commit. Okay. You do not score any goody points with God just because you think you are moral. You know, it is not what you think anyway. Okay, saints, it's what God thinks that count. And, and it's as simple as that. It is what God thinks that counts. Now, notice what Paul says in Galatians 3.22 again. Let, let's look. But the scripture had concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Now, the law could not or cannot give righteousness or eternal life. Only the finished work of Jesus Christ can do that. Only through Christ can anyone have life. Okay. Now let's, let's look at Galatians 3:23 again, this part, but before faith came, we were kept under the law. My goodness. Now, one of the things we have uh, to do when we read the Bible is to learn how to rightly divide what we read. Second Timothy 2.15 says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I end all of my episodes with that because that is what I'm called to do. Rightly dividing the word of truth. However, mine is with peace and love. Okay. <laughs> now, the reason it says rightly dividing is because it is possible to wrongly divide. The Bible makes this distinction because we can wrongly divide something. Now, if you do not study, you can wrongly divide. You won't have a clue if what someone is telling you is right. If you don't know, if you don't have anything to compare it to, you won't know if it's right or wrong. Now, if there were no danger of wrongly dividing, there would not be any need to say rightly. 
Can we agree on that? Now, in verse 23, we have to use the principle of rightly dividing. OK, normally in the New Testament uh, books, when it says us, we and ours, it is referring to the body of Christ. However, sometimes these pronouns are referring to the nation of Israel. The context of what is being said helps us to know who is being addressed. Paul says, but before faith came, we were kept under the law. And he is talking about the Jews, not the Gentiles. He's not talking about us when he says we were kept under the law. He's talking about the Jews. Anyone that is not a Jew is a Gentile. Okay. And I've said that throughout this message too. So uh, you might ask, well, how do we know that? Okay. The next clause lets us know, but before faith came, we were under the law. Okay. You could not have been kept under the law as a Gentile because the law was never given to the Gentiles or to Christians. Okay. That's how we know he was talking to Jews. Now this letter of course was written to the Jewish saints in Galatia to set them free from bondage to the law. Okay. Some Jewish Christians were telling other Jewish Christians that they had to keep the law in order to be saved. And Paul wrote this epistle or some may call a letter to correct this error. And that's right. It was an error because it was wrong. Don't forget Paul was a Jew, but Paul was a born again Jew. Uh-huh. So he understood this whole concept about grace versus law. The law was done away with. Okay. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. Now I want you to notice this again in Galatians 3.23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Now, here's another revelation, saints. The word afterwards implies something that was before, but afterwards. By virtue of, the, uh, of its designation indicates that the thing it came after is not in operation anymore. It is the time afterwards that counts. What is the afterwards? Uh, it is after the law. That's what it is. What, uh, what it implies here is that the law is outdated. It is dead. You know, that's why the afterwards is operating. Now, Galatians 3.24, what for the law what, uh, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now the word was is a past tense designation indicating that the time of, of the action has already taken place. Notice it does not say the law is present tense. It doesn't say the law will be future tense. It says the law was. Now, whatever was isn't anymore because if it were, it would not be was. Okay, saints. <laughs> now, Galatians 3.25 says, but after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Now, you have to be deaf, dumb, blind, or dishonest not to see that. That is as clear as it can get. 
Now, the schoolmaster in those days was a person who went through the community ringing a little bell, alert, alerting all the students that it was time for school and all the children would come out of their homes and follow the schoolmaster to the schoolhouse or wherever they were having their assembly. Now, when the children got into the classroom, that was the end of the job of the schoolmaster. His job simply was to lead the children from where they were to where they should be in order to receive instruction. Now, that is the analogy Paul is using. Now, with that analogy in mind, let's cover verses 24 and 25 again. And I'm talking about Galatians 3, 24 and 25. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Not the law by faith. Now, it is obvious that the law was the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ and drop us off. And it is just as obvious that once you get to Christ, you do not need the schoolmaster anymore. Now, let's look at the latter part, verse 25. But after that, faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, Paul said that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Now that we are in Christ, where faith has brought us, we do not need the schoolmaster any longer. Now, since the schoolmaster represents the law, if we don't need the schoolmaster, we don't need the law. If we don't need the law, we are not under it. Therefore, we do not have to keep it. We do not have to follow it and we do not have to maintain it, saints. Now, according to the scriptures we have that we have been studying, um, I believe the Bible clearly teaches that every man, woman, boy or girl who is attempting to keep the law unless he or she has been born again previously is not born again. And he or she is in perilous circumstances he or she is hell bound. Okay, saints, um, you have to know your options. That's why we got to tell it. The real teachers, they tell it. They have to tell you the options. And guess what? The good news is we have uh, uh, good news that um, I can share with you right now. Two options. You can either choose Christ and be given eternal life and be set free from the, 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 the bondage that, that these religious organizations are trying to keep you in, or you can continue in uh, your previous life. Don't be born again. Don't become a new creation in Christ. That's still good. Know why? Because you chose. God allows you to choose. But the bad news out of those two options is that you're going to hell. If you are not in Christ and you are not born again, you are going to hell. Now, most people don't like to talk about hell, but that is tough. That is just the way it is. Hell is there. The Bible says so. I didn't invent it. I didn't create it. And I don't plan to go there because I'm born again. However, I would be derelict in my duties as a Christian and as a minister of the gospel if I did not tell people about hell. Okay. Now, you do not have to go to hell, saints. You don't have to argue about it or fuss about it or or get into any philosophical deliberations as to whether there is or or there isn't a hell. The Bible says there is. 
and what anyone else says is irrelevant and immaterial. Now, there are many people following certain denominations or what we might call cults, because that's what they are. That's what denominations are. They are cults. This is it's, it's so sad to me because these people are headed for a, a Christless eternity. What is truly tragic is that most of these people are sincere and yet they are sincerely wrong. They are not wrong because I say they are wrong. They are wrong because they are not in line with God's words. Okay. Now understand that those people who had already accepted Christ at some point in their lives, but later got sucked into one of the religious groups that teach the law of the Sabbath and the 10 commandments are still saved. However, they are being cheated and robbed out of what they ought to have in this life under the new covenant rights. And that too is tragic saints. It is. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So therefore I want to cover four more scriptures that will show us clearly that trying to keep the law will not work. Okay. First, let's look at Galatians three and 11, but that no man is justified or declared righteous by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. My Lord, that's Galatians 3.11. Write that. Notice the importance of the words in the sight of God. Look at Galatians 3.11 again, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. Now you may be justified in the sight of your church or your denomination, but you are not justified in the sight of God. You are not just, look, you can be justified by the preacher in the church or the bishop or the man-made Pope. It doesn't matter, but you are not justified in the sight of God. Now, the bottom line is, is it saints is for us to please the heavenly father. When you come before the judge of all the ages, it is what he thinks about you that counts, not man. Now let's look at Romans chapter three, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. Either that means declared righteous in his sight for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now let's look at Ephesians two and eight for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Now we are saved not by keeping the law saints, not by going to church on the sat on a Saturday, not by observing the 10 commandments, but by faith. That is clear. There is no misunderstanding here. Now I want, let's look at Galatians five and one Galatians five chapter one. Now stand fast. Therefore in the Liberty wherewith Christ had made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now I remember reading in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30, when Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why would you want to be entangled in the yoke of men? When in fact, the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ is easy and his burden is light. He doesn't weigh us down, saints. Now here, Paul is telling the Jewish converts to stand fast in the liberty of the new covenant. 
The Israelites were the servants of Jehovah. But we as Christians have been given the privilege through Jesus Christ to be called the children of God, whereby we can cry, Abba, Father. So stand fast in the liberty that has been given to you under the new covenant and not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage, which is the old covenant, the law that Gentiles were never under in the first place. Now, guess what, saints? This is the end of this five-part series entitled A New Covenant with Better Promises. We just covered a new creation. So stand by for a special message and my closing remarks. I love you. Wow, I told you this last message was going to be on fire. I hope you learned something from this series. I want to give a recap of what was confirmed throughout this episode. Number one, we are under a new covenant with better promises. That's in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 through 8. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. Number two, the Sabbath day was a covenant between God and the children of Israel only. That's in Exodus chapter 31, verse 16. We Gentiles are to stay away from four things in our freedoms. Number one, pollutions of idols. Number two, fornication. Number three, things strangled. Number four, blood. That's in Acts chapter 15, verses 19 and 20. And I explained all four of those things in detail in part four. Now, number three, we are under a better covenant with better promises. You can read that in Hebrews chapter eight, verse six again. Number four, the old covenant is obsolete, meaning gone. That's in Hebrews chapter eight, verse 13. Number five, no one is justified by the works of the law. Galatians chapter two, verses 15 and 16. And you can read that 120 times. Number six, if you seek to be justified by the works of the law, you are no longer under grace. That's in Galatians chapter five, verses three and four. Number seven, Jesus is our high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That is in Hebrews chapter seven, verses 18 through 28. Number eight, for, for in order for you to enter the new covenant, the kingdom of God, Jesus said, you must be born again of the spirit and water. That's in John chapter three, verses one through five. Number nine, we have eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's in John three sixteen. Who can ever forget that verse? Number 10, and to many who believe on him, that him is Jesus. He gave the power to become the sons of God. That's in John chapter one, verse 12. Now, here is a list of the promises we have under the new covenant that the children of Israel did not have under the old covenant. Number one, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works of the law. Okay. Number two, we have the Holy Spirit. We are sealed until the day of redemption. Number three, our sins are wiped away. They are not covered. They are wiped away and never to be remembered anymore. Number four, if anyone does sin, our sins are forgiven because we have an advocate with the father, the man, Christ Jesus. Praise God for that. Number five, by Jesus stripes, we are healed. Mm. Number six, we can go boldly to the throne of grace in time of need. We don't need a priest to speak on our behalf. We have free access to God. Hallelujah. Number seven, 
We are under the law of love, not the laws of Moses. Number eight, we are not under the curse of the law. Jesus became a curse for us. Number nine, once we enter into the new birth, we can understand the things of God. Hmm, praise God. Number 10, Jesus fulfilled the law, then nailed it to the cross. You can find that verse in Colossians chapter 2, verses 14. And that is just to name a few, my sisters and brothers. Now, if this series has been a blessing to you, please go to my Anchor or Spotify homepage and donate an amount of your choice. This Sunday, I will share a message entitled, Take Control of Your Future by Renewing Your Mind. That's going to be a powerful message as well. Not a series, just a one-part message. Now, until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith and not by sight. This is Talking Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. See you next time.